senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. This is episode 72. We are taping this earlier than we normally do because this is a long holiday weekend here in the United States. It is Memorial Day where we take Monday off in order to celebrate the sacrifices of our armed forces by getting fucked up on Bud. And, and grilling meat. Grilling meat and watching Twilight Zone on Sci-Fi Channel <laughs> all fucking day long. It's a cherished tradition. I'm told. I never remember it. <laughs> I, I usually come to at the day job at some point on Tuesday. <laughs> so, yes, we're, we're doing this well earlier than normal. So, yeah, normally we do this on Sunday night and immediately put it up online since this one is earlier. If there is big comic news this weekend, say from Denver Comic Con, that happens at any point on Sunday during the day. If news comes out that Garth Ennich likes to felch, um, if the bombshell drops on Sunday afternoon that Frank Miller has converted to Islam, oh God, <laughs> or, or even Scientology. See, that's more likely. If Alan Moore puts out a press release that he's going to do a twelve-issue series of Rorschach versus Batman, lubed fuckapalooza. <laughs> If J.J. Abrams releases animatics of Adam Driver battling Jar Jar Binks, we're going to miss all that shit if any of that happens. Yes. So. All right, further, and this is sort of up in the air right now, uh, as many of the things that, that we announce, but we're kind of in a position where we are vastly overdue on updating our website infrastructure, uh, updating the software that handles putting the mp3s into the rss feed so that the podcast goes wide it's true i didn't think that the internet could creak and yet yeah <laughs> our website is like an old person going for the geritol it is not <laughs> it has not been updated in a while <sighs> so so yeah we've looked at the calendar preliminarily right now there will not be a show on sunday june 7th preliminarily we may change our minds. Something awesome may happen that week, and we jump in. We may decide another weekend's better. But at that point, it, it'll have been like eight months since we had a weekend without a show. Uh, also, I've got a family member who has a birthday that weekend, and yeah, just uh, our shit needs to be upgraded to keep things running smoothly. So, And it's going to be like a full two-day proposition. In and order to deliver the best product to you, the listener. Yes. <laughs> if this is the best product that we can produce... <laughs> No wonder America's falling <laughs> behind the Chinese. Hey, at least you're wearing underpants today. You're not entirely sure of that. To tell you the it's truth. true, I'm not. But I, I do have a lot of laundry <laughs> to do sometime between now and when I snap to at work on Tuesday. Yes. So, yeah, um, since there is stuff going on this long weekend, uh, why don't we just get right to it? Sure. Uh, last week, we talked about the DCW, as I Still You're so proud of yourself. I am proud. That's got to catch on somewhere. It's just perfect. But yeah, the, the DC properties on the CW. The uh, DCW. No, it's a thing. Really? It's a goddamn thing. I invented it. <laughs> I own it and all the subsidiary rights. But 
So I talked about the Flash and Arrow and the upcoming uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl, and we talked about some of those pilots that came out. And sure enough, late on Friday afternoon, the news broke that the entire complete Supergirl pilot had leaked to the internet in full high def. With no watermark, strangely. Yeah, so... Or at least none that's apparent. There could be, I suppose, a digital one embedded in there somewhere. Yeah, but nothing actually on the the image to, right. to indicate who let the thing go. And this is about as early as any of these has has leaked. It seems like all the superhero pilots leak early. Well, do we remember when Flash and Constantine leaked? It was before San Diego Comic-Con. But like June-ish, maybe. It was June, maybe early July. Yeah. I think Constantine leaked first, which was grotesquely disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... I'm still bummed that got canceled, but that did not start out strongly. No. I was so excited when you know, a kind soul somewhere put that into our hands. It's like, oh, finally, John Constantine with an English guy, and fuck, I miss Keanu. This is a mistake. I and didn't miss Keanu. I just missed having a good plot. Matt Ryan was good, and he's been good on that from the beginning. But yeah, yeah the initial... I'm hoping that the rights to the character revert back to Warner Brothers in such a way that he can be used maybe... On one of the other existing properties. Yeah, because uh, Stephen Amell has said he really wants to have a crossover with Constantine. Yeah, I mean, uh, and a show that we haven't really talked about but has gotten a small bit of, of geek press is they're adapting Lucifer, which was spun out of uh, the very, Sandman. Yeah, and you know, Vertigo property and all that, and that's going to be on sci-fi. sci-fi. Yeah, I had heard about that, but I haven't really read a whole lot about it, um, which you would think I would, because particularly you've been getting the uh, Vertigo's been coming out with not giant hardcover omnibus editions, but, no, but big, big, fat trade paperbacks. Yeah. It's like a five five paperback edition. I think they just finished it. Yep. And and it's a great series if you haven't read it. Uh, Mike Carey. <laughs> yep. And I'm worried because the reports make it seem like... They're going to saddle Lucifer with a female cop buddy who's got like a young son and just stuff that has absolutely nothing <laughs> fucking to do with, with the book. She, she was a cop on the edge. He was the prince of fucking darkness. They had a toddler. Together they fight and do crime <laughs> and change diapers. Yeah. <laughs> Mike carries Lucifer-ish, sort of. So I suppose it's possible that, that Constantine could traipse through there at some point, but I, I would rather they free him up to show up in, in the Green Arrowverse. <laughs> yeah, so would I, actually. Just make it part of that whole continuity, which is part of what we talked about in last week's show. Right. And, and whether Supergirl could possibly fit into it. Yes. And, well, now we've we've actually seen it. And if you <laughs> follow us on Twitter yesterday, uh, we saw it because it is, it's a perfect time for it to leak because the entire free world, at least in the United States, is... Has nothing better to do this weekend. Well, yeah, it, <laughs> And they're on vacation. They're all they're all out doing cookouts and going to the beach for the first big summer weekend, and that includes all the intellectual property lawyers. Yes. So and their interns apparently. Yeah. Because <laughs> usually these things leak and they start falling off of torrent sites, and you can't find it on any other avenue. We found the thing on fucking YouTube. 
Yeah, I'm looking it, to see if it's still there. In actually. a perfect in a perfect resolution. So we we tweeted a link to that yesterday. Another good reason why you should follow us on Twitter. You should because uh, we're awesome. Twitter handle Infinite Midlife. Yes, at Infinite Midlife. At Infinite Midlife. Look at you knowing stuff. <laughs> it only took me a year Look to remember you. that. I'm so forgot, proud of you. I'll have forgotten it by the end of the show. No, you we won't. do the where to find us wrap up. <laughs> but yeah, it was just on YouTube and it was there for a while. And it may still be there. If it's still live, we'll we'll link to it in the show notes. I'd say get to it as early as possible before Tuesday. For yes. the love of God, it will be gone. It if will it's be not gone. gone already. Yeah. So yeah, we we wanted to talk about it. We're going to spoil the living shit out of it. We're, yes. We're going to try and talk about it with the understanding that you may not have had the opportunity to see it. Perhaps you're one of those good souls who chooses not to to look at these things when they're leaked into the wild. Indeed, in good which, on you. In which case, we'll try not to get ultra specific. We'll certainly not try to Chris Farley it up with. Uh, <laughs> remember when Supergirl kicked that guy in the taint? That, that was cool. <laughs> it was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly as far as we'll try to go with that. <laughs> Before you ask, no, we do not have any audio from the show. Because as much as I would like to meet Jeff Johns, I <laughs> do not want it to be at the copyright infringement lawsuits. Yeah, that would kind of suck. Even though all we did was see it on YouTube. It's it's worse if then we try to put it into the into the podcast. So, yes, right. we have no audio. We'll try and give you a link to it if you want to go check it out. And if that thing is still live, pause us, go watch the show, and then come back. Yes. All right. So, overall, about the pilot, what what were your impressions it i let you go first what were your impressions of it my overall impressions were were favorable i i found it interesting because uh trebuchet and pixie six sticks also watched it this weekend separate from us yes <laughs> uh, longtime contributors to the website they've been guests a few times Just go back through our archives and check the links and and they they seem to hate it with a a passion that bordered on vitriolic <laughs> Like just like felt the need to text text us angrily at various portions yeah. for inflicting it upon them. And, and of course, I I don't have my phone in the studio, so I can't read any of them off. I I meant to bring the fucking thing upstairs, but but I but like it was saved by the bell with superpowers or some shit like that. Yeah, an after school special. <laughs> I I honestly didn't feel that way. I mean, yes, just you know. There's no getting around the fact that there is a very heavy girl power theme through this. There is stuff they put in there, so it's like, oh look, we've we've got Jimmy. Oh, excuse me, no, James Olsen. He's a man now. Oh uh, yes, <laughs> he's not Superman's pal. He's Superman's confidant. Yes. <laughs> um, and of course they are setting it up so that uh, young Kara Danvers, as she is being called in this particular incarnation, is making the goo goo eyes. Adam to suggest that there may be an eventual love connection. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that I'm making this sound very appealing for, for some of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, certainly, because bitches love Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> <laughs> they will when they see this one. <laughs> well, he was a handsome gentleman. He was a handsome gentleman. No bow tie, though. No. And that's wrong. <laughs> if you're going to be Jimmy Olsen, you got to wear the bow. You don't care if you call yourself We may James. yet see the bow tie. It's It has to be worn. Because we, we haven't seen him, like, dress up for an event yet jimmy olsen is not cool and i don't i don't care what matt smith said bow ties are not cool jimmy olsen must wear the bow tie and i'm putting my foot down <laughs> foot's coming down <laughs> anyway continue but once once you try not to to be 
irritated at those things. Um, I think there's a lot to like there. It's it's a fun show. I, I think those people that enjoyed The Flash will enjoy this for the same kinds of reasons. It's it's flat out just, nope, we're a superhero comic book story and we're fun and we have bright colors and there's action and people get punched. There's flying. It, all yeah. of those years that they spent with you know, Smallville, no flights, no tights. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, she is flying within the first 18 minutes. Yeah. Um. And, and, you know, we, we went back and forth um off screen here, I guess, about whether or not Superman needed to be included. I, I don't mind it. I think it gives us quick shorthand for she states my powers are the same as my cousin's. OK, great. Now we don't have to have like, you know, in addition to the villain of the week, the power of the week, which is what we went through with Smallville. Oh, look, it's it's he's flying in his sleep. I, I guess that's going to be a power. We'll explore it later. You know, like, yeah. or, or the oh, no, he's he's got, you know eye beams and that you know is a metaphor for like you know space boner or something (laughs) (laughs) that's what killed me about smallville he woke up levitating above his sheets in the pilot and it took him him 11 (laughs) fucking seasons to figure out that he could fly he floats three feet above the sheets (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna give superman about 300 cc's of thorazine he's gonna take a little nap right now yes it's true this man has no dick. Oh, Superman, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus. We did talk about that in last week's episode that uh, I'm fully prepared to say, fine, it's just Supergirl. There is no Superman. But I did like how they handled what amounted to the origin story in this episode. And I think it worked as well as it did because they could use Superman as a shorthand. Yes. You know, really, it's just two or three minutes. Quick flashback of Kara getting into the ship being told her mission is to keep an eye on baby Kal-El, Kal-El yeah. gets bumped off into the Phantom Zone, lands on Earth. They're dropped with the Danvers, who, in a nice piece of stunt casting, was uh, was Dean Kane and Helen Slater. So at least somebody's getting paid. And then, boom, cuts straight to the present. So right. it's, it's everything you really need to know done very quickly. So it's economical, but that, that's all you need. Because they did use Superman as the shorthand. It's close enough to that origin. You don't really need anything else. And I thought that was really pretty effective. Yes. Because you don't need 45 minutes of, you know, particularly at the second hand level. It's one thing in Superman's origin with Superman's father saying, Krypton will explode. If you were to do that with this, it would be, oh, yeah, my buddy Jor-El thinks the, the, <laughs> thinks the planet's going to blow up. My brother or whatever. I don't know who's related to who, actually. Um, I think Zorel and Jorel. Yeah, it's the L family. So. L family. All right, so if she's what Superman's niece? Yes. No, she's Superman's cousin. Cut. I'm not really. They're they're brothers. All right. See, I'm I'm not good at. Once we get to cousin level and things twice removed, I just can't keep track of it. I don't understand <laughs> how the relations work out. Well, I mean, it's 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 the house of L. They could, I suppose, fuck each other. I, it, I guess. How dare you? How dare. You? <laughs> It's possible. They're, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about Kryptonian law regarding that sort of thing. They're, they're aliens. According to Man of Steel, you... They're j- fucking pod people. Yeah, you <laughs> jack into a tube and... I mean, like the Targaryens, they're just fucking crazy. <laughs> That's true. Inbred. They're just setting people on fire and jerking off over it, and then there's <laughs> dragons, and then there's a molten gold crown, and... <laughs> 
I got yes. nothing. I got nothing yeah. for you. No, no, I'm digging this interpretation. Go on. Are you, are, <laughs> Does are she you... walk into a building and come out naked with a dragon? Uh, like... <laughs> are you comparing the House of L to the House Targaryen? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, I mean, spoiler, We're gonna, at the very end of, of the show, just to skip ahead, there's a stinger in which we meet uh, Kara's aunt, who is going to be the big bad, at least for the first arc. At least that's what's implied yeah and uh she she seems like no fun (laughs) (laughs) it seems like no fun and we both forgot to go on imdb to see if it was a a twin sister for if only i had a device that went to the internet all right you you can do that okay but one of the things i also liked about this was even though they did the shorthand to get through the the origin story there's still a lot of stuff that was sort of dropped throughout the rest of the episode that hasn't been answered that could be true pretty good potential story ground because we learn later on in the episode that the deo which is an organization that's been around in dc comics for at least 15 or something years yeah and i always it's the department of extra normal operations operations thank you but there's sort of an intimation that there might be some kind of relationship between the the Danvers, Kara's uh, foster parents, and them, because we learned that they showed up and they recovered her spaceship, so they were there very quickly after Superman got there to find her. Right. And Kara's sister, whose name escapes me, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Alex. Alex, thank you, because th- that's right, because that's important, and that's a point you'll want to bring up in a yes. little while. <laughs> uh, becomes a member of the DEO, so since they were there that early... Is there a possibility that there's a relationship between the DEO and Dean Kane and Helen Slater? Right. Uh, are they working as moles for the DEO? How did Superman find this kindly couple to take in this blonde alien to just sort of be part of their family? The uh, the general character who does not appear, uh, who, who appears at the very end, I, I don't think she's listed here unless she's this character named Lara. Uh, I think Lara is Superman's mother. Right. So I don't. I don't think she's here. Um, okay. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> a character I don't remember seeing anywhere. And full disclosure, I've not read a lot of Supergirl comics over the years. It's frankly, there've been so goddamn many different versions of Supergirl over the years. I mean, even when I was a kid, pre-crisis, when I was a young boy, I wasn't reading a lot of Supergirl comics. Yeah, and even then, the Superboy I was reading was the Earth Prime version. So, right, it's not an area of DC Comics history that I'm. It's kind of a blank spot. Yeah, you know, I know a bit, but I, I don't have a huge background in it. So, some of the characters we see might be long beloved pieces of Supergirl lore, and I may just never have seen them. I, I don't think, at least in the in the pilot, we're not getting a, a shit ton of Supergirl lore. <laughs> I'm not sure how much really there is to give, considering how many... In its own way, that's a strength of deciding to pick Supergirl, because there's so many different versions of it. There's the Crisis one, and the Matrix one, and uh, then the uh, actual Kara that was brought back by Jeff Loeb in Superman Batman, and then there's the post-New 52 one that's kind of related to that one, but has a slightly different origin. So you can really do... I don't want to call it a blank slate, 
but it's it's been retconned so many times. What's another one if you want to do it in a TV version? Yeah. So it's kind of a smart way to go if you want to have a piece of the Superman universe. Well, it's also a significant thing. So I'm just going to put this out there. We, we discussed last week the likelihood of Supergirl crossing over, even though everybody's like, oh, there's a clause. Berlanti can do it if he wants to. And CBS and CW, they're, they're like, you know, parent company and child company and whatever. Uh, if you're going to pick a character that has crossover potential... Supergirl's a good one to do it because in the Flash, they they're heading towards what looks like f- sort of a Flashpoint event eventually, and a crisis is being teased. And one of the most significant moments Supergirl has historically is being a victim of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, it's and I thought of that because I tried to piece together the timeline that was going on in this episode. So we're flat out over in voiceover. Kara flat out tells us she landed when she was 13, right? Yes. So this version of Supergirl has to be at least 21. That's as young as she can be because we see her drinking in a bar. We we see her drinking in a bar. We see her drinking at home. We see her drinking (laughs) scotch at home. Really good, expensive scotch. Johnny Walker (laughs) Blue. That shit is 200 bucks a quart. I want to party with Supergirl now. I don't even have Johnny Walker Blue in the house, and I have a lot of scotch in the house. Yeah, you're very much a scotch person. To be fair, though, I don't drink blends. Now, if I'm going to be a little bit of a snob for a second, Johnny Walker Blue is a blend. And those of us that are serious about scotch like our single malts. There's a super-powered Kryptonian who likes to guzzle down expensive scotch, and you're going to pick nits? She's coming for you. (laughs) It's Bernie, and it's the only way she can feel. (laughs) It's possible. She said she's never felt pain. Clearly, she's not drinking enough of it. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah, that's why she can get away with drinking that. Yeah, just pour it down your head. No headache. Wee! I metabolize it right out of my system. But see, at (laughs) at that point, why not drink the rock gut? Why not just go full old Fitzy? Because it tastes like shit. Well, it's like saying, why don't you drink old crow? I have drunk old crow. (laughs) Regularly? Terrible things have happened to me drinking old crow. (laughs) Took me two years to break up with her, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> it's not a story for this show. Well, because the other thing that's happening in Flash, at least that they're they're teasing for next year, is um, alternate universes and alternate storylines uh, because of the time travel thing now being on the table. And one of the things that tumbled out of the wormhole was Jay Garrick's helmet. Another thing that happened, and I kind of blinked and missed it, but. It, it it was there um, as Barry is traveling traveling down the wormhole. He sees, uh, rather than his father, he sees himself in handcuffs in prison with his dad looking at him. So there's been a great deal of speculation about whether or not they'll be getting into, as you and I speculated far earlier than the finale, a world in which Henry Allen is the Flash yeah. And Barry is the one that needs to be saved. I still maintain that's that hasn't been ruled out by what we've seen in the Flash. So, since Flash is going to be going down that route potentially, we could see a cameo of Cara Danvers eventually. Well, if they're introducing the multiverse, which, yeah, with the Jay Garrick Flash hat, yeah, you know, I think you sort of have to assume that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm then yes, you could probably have this version of Super. Because I think we agree, there's no way Supergirl can be in the same 
parallel continuity except as another universe as Flash and it, Arrow. It doesn't seem likely because as you very rightly pointed out, the um, Superman is always in the shadows in this story. And when the particle accelerator exploded on the Flash, if Superman existed in that universe, wouldn't he have been one of the first people on the scene <laughs> to, I mean, to investigate shit? Well, you would think, and, and that's part of why I was putting the timeline together, because if it's been at least seven years since Kara landed on Earth, we see Superman open up her spaceship. Yeah. So at minimum, the absolute minimum amount of time Superman can be operating in that world is seven years. And that's assuming that Superman saved Lois's helicopter and immediately went yeah. to open up that spaceship. Right. If there was a Superman operating for a minimum of seven years, which would mean from the beginning of Arrow, a minimum of four years, somebody would have mentioned something about Superman in one of those two shows. One would think. So it, it absolutely, I think it has to be at best a parallel universe. And like you said, that opens up a lot because we've, We've seen the concept of a coming crisis on infinite Earths in Flash. That's huge stakes to say, okay, and particularly if the timing is 2020 and both shows have existed until then and have that kind of background to them, yes, yeah, Supergirl dies in fucking crisis. Well, it's also, you know, now that I think about it, and this is awful and cynical, but... It, it gives why, why change now? <laughs> it gives DC such latitude and leverage. If any of the actors in the movie properties get uppity or don't work out, oh, now uh, we have the Flash from Earth uh, five hundred and <laughs> from the DCW universe. Just go with what I call it, please. Just stroke my ego that much. Make me feel like I created something for once in my miserable drunken life. Stroke your ego, you say? Okay. <laughs> Let's start it! Let's start it. All right, let's all be cool. <laughs> Everybody be cool. You be cool. I feel better. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I, it could lead eventually towards some sort of event where the, the cast of characters from the various television properties um, tangle with the various characters from the movie properties. Or get replaced by them, or <laughs> yeah, it, it does open up. It does open that up as a as a possibility. I'm trying to figure out how that would practically work. I mean, I can't imagine that. Uh, no, what's his name? Uh, Jason Momoa. <laughs> Let's say he gets uh, uppity <laughs> uppity on the set. Uh, they're they're not going to grab the the kid who played Aquaman from Smallville and replace him. No, but if they are truly heading towards some sort of flashpoint or crisis event somewhere, if they're looking at a three or a five-year plan, that syncs up nicely with where, in theory, the DC Cinematic Universe is going with their various movies. Actually, that would be kind of cool if... Warner Brothers in DC is thinking far enough ahead. Okay, we'll get Batman versus Superman out in 2016. We're going to have a Wonder Woman movie in there somewhere. And let's lay enough groundwork to maybe get a Justice League movie before 2020, introduce the concept of a crisis in Flash in 2020, and then either the first or second or whatever Justice League movie is, yeah, it's all in. It's the people from the movies, it's the people from the TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> th that said, 
I don't think anybody's I, thinking that far. No, ahead. I don't. I don't think they. I think I'm. I think I'm the only one saying that right now. I think when Jeff <laughs> when Jeff Johns wakes up in the middle of the night, you know, shaking and twitching for a bowl of cereal, <laughs> I think he he probably thinks it. But that doesn't mean anybody's going to front the money to do it. Yeah, uh, I think. I think if Jeff Johns has his way, the next thing that happens on TV is a Justice Society of America show. <laughs> I think he would go days without sleep. <laughs> And go thousands of miles if he could make that happen. I think that would be if they find a way to even remotely shoehorn Jay Garrick into the Flash, and and he tests well. <laughs> yeah, and I would fucking watch it. Yeah, I love Jeff Johns' uh, Justice Society of America book. I miss that book. It's one thing I really have not hooked into since the New Fifty Two. I always liked the concept of. Before Superman and Batman, there were superheroes in the DC universe, and the Justice Society was what was there in the 40s, in the World War II era. Absolutely. I I think, and, and this is where it's interesting that we're, we're, we're going to spend all this time talking about uh, Supergirl. I'm not really, I, I don't tend to read the super family of books. I don't. I'm, I'm not really a Superman person. Neither do I. Um, I've always been more of a Batman yeah, guy. Yeah, I, I, I read the Bat titles. I read Superman Unchained. I read Superman after Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. took it over. I may or may not continue after Convergence with all the, oh, he's half depowered and wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> although I will say one of the Convergence, one of the post-Convergence previews uh, this week was for Superman Batman uh, by Greg Pak, I think. Yes. With the slightly depowered Superman versus James Gordon. Robo Bunny Batman. Nice. It looked pretty cool, actually. So right. that I may, <laughs> I may give a day in court again. Well, it's Greg Pack. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, for me, the Supergirl series, I I don't have. I'm coming into it as a as a comic book fan, not necessarily a Supergirl fan. So they aren't going to have to do a lot to please me, other than not actively suck. Yeah, <laughs> my my bar is pretty low. I don't have a huge dog in this fight. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. <laughs> this is going to sound horrible. I have fond memories of Supergirl dying in Crisis, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with. It's not like I hated Supergirl. But that you didn't. Was, you know, you didn't pay a dollar to have her killed off like Jason Todd. I paid two dollars to have oh. Jason Todd killed off, <laughs> and somebody's going to give me my fucking money back. I thought I knew what I was doing. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. Clearly I didn't because I thought that machine killed fucking Jason Todd. You need to track down from Better Off Dead the sound clip of the kid on the bike screaming $2. $2! <laughs> and I'm just going to play that into a microphone at Boston Comic Con. <laughs> Whoever comes up from D.C. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, it's, a, it's a personal thing. I was 16. I didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> my fucking supermarket job. Mom, Dad, there's going to be something on the bill. Here's the money. What are you doing, killing Robin? Go to your room, son. You're fucking weird. <laughs> so it's a sore spot. I understand. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Okay, we're just going to move on from that. But but yes, I, I that was a really good story in Crisis. It was a good superhero story. Supergirl sacrificed herself to give the rest of the heroes time to stop the anti-monitor's Right. Destruction device. It, it was a noble superhero sacrifice. So that was a great story, but they could have just as easily, from my standpoint, told it with anybody other than Supergirl 
and I would I would still be oh yeah it was uh three D well three D man it's from Marvel <laughs> but I don't know insert obscure DC hero here it's like wow that that was a really good story yeah that's really the only Supergirl investment I have is that story well it makes me wonder like is there such a surplus of super family characters that <laughs> oh, we'll do this one yeah. <laughs> pre crisis yes they could have done it with Beppo the super monkey. <laughs> Streaky the super horse. Comet. <laughs> Comet was the super horse. Yeah, who the fuck was Streaky was the super cat. Cat, yeah. Oh my god. Supergirl's cat, actually. The the best thing that ever happened to DC Comics is Crisis <laughs> on Infinite Earths. So, uh, I do find it interesting. We uh, we're supposed to be talking about Supergirl. We've we've trailed off into all of these other properties, which is a thing that one might say could be a problem for for Supergirl. Like if I keep keep my mind on the damn character. Well. <laughs> For Joe Blow from Falmouth watching the show, just going, oh, I likes me some superheroes when they're on the TV. They're not going to delve into whether it's how this version fits into the historic version, including the stack of bacteria that was Matrix. And don't denigrate Falmouth like that, for God's sakes. <laughs> that is Brockton behavior, and you know it. <laughs> Man, now we're inside baseball for mass holes. <laughs> just trust us when I say these towns. Something to be desired. Anyway. <laughs> I guess something that should be addressed is we watch the show. There doesn't seem to be anything other than Supergirl in it that screams Supergirl. All of the other major characters are pulled from Superman. Cat Grant, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, and that's... Will Shot or Scott, who is the toy man, yeah, eventually. That, to me, is the downside of using Superman shorthand to be able to jump quickly into Supergirl action. There were a lot of elements here, not just characters from Superman's mythos as opposed to Supergirl's. Mm. Although, again, when it comes to, to mythos, what Supergirl characters do you want to see? Brainiac. It's technically a Batman <laughs> Batman character. Technically a Superman character. Yes, but in, in her storylines, he is the significant villain. He shrunk Kandor. Argo City that she came from was merged into Kandor. Yeah, all, tr all true, but... I mean, there's... Uh, so, I mean, that's the biggest name one. Beyond that, she does have other ones. But, but yeah, because she's super family, they all cross over. <laughs> yeah. They absolutely do. Well, you can make the same argument in 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 any of the Bat Family books. <laughs> well, true, but right now nobody's making a. Actually, they might be making a Nightwing. Well, Teen Titans, Nightwing will be in Teen. Nobody's making a Nightwing book. Is what I'm. So of course they would use Batman stuff. And they use Batman stuff in Birds of Prey. Right. When that was a TV show. Right. But yeah, part of the problem is I think, at least in this single episode but it's also it's sort of how they're leading into this there's a lot of stuff not just character wise but overall superman wise that they used for a certain amount of shorthand that was a little distracting to me the whole cat grant yeah and cat co cat grant is better known to readers of the superman books as a gossip columnist yeah who works with clark kent and lois lane at the planet right so to see her in this other incarnation, that's, that's a bit of a step up for Miss Grant. It's a step up for Cat Grant, but it's also a step toward let's put Supergirl in a Superman situation. She's yeah. working for a media company. 
with Jimmy Olsen, with a crotchety boss who wants to get exclusive stories about Superman. Yes. It's straight from Superman, particularly Superman the movie, it felt like. Yes. I, you know, but I'll say, I'll say this, uh, the things that they channel from the Donner Superman movies are done so nicely that it feels more homage. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, there is a sequence in it where the villain, what's his name? I always forget. Vartox. Vartox. I, wanna, I always want to say Zardoz, and <laughs> that's not it. No. I got hammered and tried to watch that movie. <laughs> I got eight minutes in, and there was somebody on a PA system screaming about penises. I'm like, and I believe I will watch reruns of American Ninja Warrior this evening. I'm out. <laughs> so Zardox? Zar- Vartox. 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 But yeah, where he tries to get Supergirl's attention by talking uh, over a PA at a frequency that only Supergirl could hear, that was straight out of Richard Donner's yeah. Superman. And she has moments where she behaves in such a goofy just clearly guileless manner particularly around jimmy olsen where she's practically snorting while she's laughing trying to push her glasses up on her nose that are very much christopher reeve from those donner movies up up to a point except christopher reeve's performance was really clark kent is a cover whereas the characterization in this is very much this is who kara is oh absolutely trying to trying to find a way to be a superhero and help people but her human identity is more important more important than we ever saw except when when it related to Lois Lane in mm-hmm. in the original I want to say Donner movies but he really only did the first that Saul's kind or however you pronounce the yeah. producers names okay in those movies Clark Kent was very much a performance yes but I, I do think she watched those movies and, and cribbed a lot of mannerisms for Kara. Uh, very possible, particularly with the physical stuff of, yeah, constantly pushing the glasses up. And... Yeah. So, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Within those characters that they pulled from Superman, they've got Cat Grant, and they've got this kid who may eventually become the Toymaker. And Cat Grant and Toymaker have history in the comics because Toymaker... Uh, abducts her son and kills him <laughs> yeah and by the way the carrier win win scott thank shot. you I was, it's it's spelled s-c-h-o-t-t it's a, if you've seen the trailer it's uh the buddy the buddy know, saying you know oh of course you need a cape because aerodynamics why didn't i think of that before he's apparently destined to be toy man yeah toy maker so that's who toy maker rather <laughs> i'm not even drinking for this show we're doing it early enough and i think that's the problem <laughs> I think it's time for me to get some whistle pig. It seemed to well, work so well. What if you with... channel some of that nice caffeine there and, and mainline it? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm shooting Diet Pepsi into my neck, I want you to call somebody. <laughs> call a drug dealer because clearly I need some of the real shit. <laughs> uh, so I, it just feels like they're, they're, and maybe again, maybe I'm being too optimistic. Maybe I'm thinking there's more of a plan here than there actually is. It feels like they're planting seeds for something bigger down the road. I think there's definitely a plan. If you look at what these producers have done with Arrow over three years yeah, and folding Flash so relatively seamlessly into that same universe, I think it's safe to say there's a plan. I think they are planning to use the Phantom Zone and the fact that when Kara got out this uh, Fort Roz okay. <laughs> uh, that followed her with all these super criminals. That had th- been living in the Phantom Zone. Right. So they're they're using that as a mechanism 
the same way Flash used the particle accelerator as a way to introduce Freaks of the Week and Rogues very quickly so they can do some episodes while they can build the continuity. Yeah. But... Well, let's go back and talk about... So some of the other characters that are there, Hank Henshaw is the director of the DEO. Yes. And I don't recall the DEO being involved with Supergirl and her comics. There was a Project 7734, which seems to be filling a similar function. 7734 was uh, formed as a response to extraterrestrial um, incursions. Uh, And it's also... (laughs) If you if you turn the numbers upside down, it spells hell. <laughs> Get it? So clever. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't find a. Here, here's a good sound effect for that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> but Henshaw wasn't involved in that either. Henshaw was originally a he was, he an was astronaut. A, he was a Mister Fantastic pastiche. Yeah. That gets irradiated. Yeah. That wound up being repurposed as Cyborg Superman. So I demand to see Cyborg Superman as soon as humanly fucking possible in this show. Okay, well, I'll get there in a second. So, okay. <laughs> and then they have this other character who seems completely created for the purposes of the show because I couldn't find any trace of this character existing elsewhere. And Alex, Alexandra Danvers, who is her, her adopted sister. Yeah, it's a sister that we see in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, the, she... the red-haired sister dark red hair dark red hair like sister. it took me a while because i said i'm like gosh rob doesn't it seem rather um telling that they've named a character alex <laughs> lex and a super person show and i initially laughed in your fucking face amanda but <laughs> then i said well you know she's not a redhead and then you said <laughs> yeah no she's a redhead and then so, I, I watched it again slightly more sober I said, oh, okay kinda. so yeah th- this is your theory of how it's going to progress so go ahead and and present what you think might come from this because it's it's fairly convincing okay so and i and i say this through the lens of of being an older sister who was more than occasionally an absolute douche to her younger sister i'll say that on the air katie if you're (laughs) listening i was i was i'm sorry come home um so (laughs) get away from her you bitch (laughs) It's probably how she responded. She probably threw something, and I deserve it. But anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so we have this older sister who, in the course of the show, we discover uh, is quite gifted as a scientist, a scientist who knows quite a bit about alien biology, and not just because she shared a bathroom with one for several years, but that's that's her wheelhouse. It's what she studied. <laughs> <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, all women's bathrooms are alien biology. <laughs> you share one with me, hon. <laughs> and that's why I asked you to <laughs> shut the door. So uh, she she flat out says to uh, Kara that you know, she was jealous when before Kara arrived, she was the star. And now she's having to deal with being second banana. The idea of being second banana in this show actually comes up a couple of times because Cat Grant talks about how she's not accustomed to being second best at anything. Actually, yeah, I forgot about that, but you had a point. Uh, and so unbeknownst beknownst to Kara, her, her sister has been recruited by the DEO, who may or may not have been involved with her parents. We don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's there's enough interesting potential subtext there. That's part of the continuity I want to see unfold, is how there might be a relationship between not just those two people, and the DEO, but maybe Superman. Yeah. So the DEO 
has recruited Alex. She is one of their top scientists. She is constantly, though, in a place of uncertainty about whether or not she's been hired on merit or because she lived with Supergirl. Uh, to the point where she's insecure enough, she actually asks H Hank Henshaw, her director, who tells her, yeah, you, you were hired totally because you were Supergirl's sister. <laughs> but, you know, you, you stayed because merit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and then she went home and screamed into her pillow for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and and she says to, to Kara, I mean, there, there are moments where you wonder, you know, what was it that made Kara decide not to use her powers? Like, like we saw in Man of Steel, um, the the Pa Kent character was very much, no, you have to keep it inside and hide, hide yourself from the world and cover your shame. Yeah, you can't do that. You know, it, it feels like a metaphor for all kinds of other, like, you know, you have to closet yourself. You, you can't be out. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, and something made Kara similarly decide not to show her powers, not to develop her powers. She makes a comment that it's been years since she even tried to fly. And Alex says to her, you know, when you decided to stop using your powers, I felt good because you felt less. <laughs> yeah. And as an older sister, I'm like, yeah, I've been that person. I, yeah, Katie, it's a, it's a good story. You spent all day working on a little bit derivative here on X, Y, and Z, though, huh? Don't you think? <laughs> and, you know, that, that crumpled look, and then you feel kind of happy because <laughs> I was a douche. And <laughs> every time, I've grown. <laughs> every time we get into your family history on this show, it just becomes the saddest thing ever. <laughs> But so I, I can picture, like, growing up, sisters can be fucking awful to each other. Awful. <laughs> and. God, I love my penis. <laughs> it's so good. In any event. It's not that good. Anyway, go all it's going to take is, is a short trip to something where Alex Danvers no longer feels good about herself because her sister's getting that much more attention to push her over into the dark side it's it's going to be a fine line it's going to be a similar sort of frenemy relationship to a certain degree that lex Luthor and clark kent had in smallville where it seems like oh no they're helping each other and 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 it's a it could go well except that you know that it won't right you don't name a character alex in a super family story unless they're going to go bad unless you're name checking Lex Luthor. Yeah, you you just don't. And they make a very big point and this speaks to what could happen to Henshaw when when uh Kara uses her powers like the second or third time, the DEO shows up and shoots her full of kryptonite syringes. <laughs> yeah. which make her fall to earth. She wakes up in the DEO handcuffed with kryptonite to a gurney. <laughs> right. And Henshaw makes a point of saying that they are lowly radioactive. Yep. Kryptonite. So we know that his character in normal continuity gets irradiated and goes wrong and becomes cyborg Superman. Yes. It, we also know that in Superman, Lex Luthor eventually gets cancer because of the radioactivity emitted by kryptonite for his superpowered suit that he would use to fight Superman. That is one of the versions of how he lost his hair, yes. Yes. So it could be that they're planting a seed. You don't say casually that something is fucking radioactive 
and then just just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> you, you you very potentially have a point here. Now, Nobody's wearing lead. You know. Oh, gee. You know, when I go to the dentist to get fucking <laughs> X-rays, they drop a lead blanket on my chest like I'm an autistic child in need of soothing. Like, <laughs> and <laughs> Google weighted blankets, people. <laughs> but, but yes, in this, it's like, ooh, they glow green and pretty. Let me rub See, my balls on you. You're not going to a rave. <laughs> you know? um, so it also wouldn't take much for the thing that pushes her over into the into the dark side is I got cancer because of you. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think you don't. I don't think anybody is saying she becomes Lex Luthor. No, but she could become a nemesis. Yes, with a very parallel construction to Lex Luthor's. Yes, and I don't suppose there's any reason why the same way we were talking last week. You know, why even bother to have a Superman? I suppose you could very easily say why bother to have a Lex Luthor, or why bother to have a separate Lex Luthor for Superman. Right. Maybe this is Lex Luthor. Maybe she needs a maybe Alex meets a nice man named Luther, well, takes maybe. his name. Maybe. <laughs> why, why not? Why couldn't she be Lex Luthor? There's nothing stopping her. Cat Grant pointed out that <laughs> just because you're a girl, you can still be hot and and successful and ambitious and and run the world. And that's okay. And if there's a problem, then it's your problem. God, I hated Cat Grant so much in this episode. <laughs> Seriously, I, I recognize that her behavior is a potential model for a particular type of strong woman. I also found her fucking reprehensible. Yeah, I mean... You... Someone can be strong and unlikable. And to be fair, she's she's playing the character in a way to come off as unlikable. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with disliking the character. It's okay to dislike a douchebag boss. Yeah, just the vainglorious and narcissistic, oh, I must have a private elevator and fire happy. I'm just going to knock off all these employees. <laughs> there was a moment during this episode I thought... I want to knock Callista Flockhart on her ass. This is the most like Harrison Ford I've ever felt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. See, that could come off as anti-woman. That. <laughs> no, it was this particular character. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So. I, I want terrible things to happen to this particular character. <laughs> Let's leave it there. So what I find interesting is, and I think they're taking a cue from from how they've uh, sent both Green Arrow and, and Flash down a particular path, they're populating the character's world in the initial years, in the initial arc, with characters that we know turn out to be enemies, but start off as friends. But we saw that in Arrow. With Tommy I, I, Merlin right out of the gate. Well, no, that's what I said. I, like, yeah. like Green Arrow and like in Flash, they're they're yeah. populating the world with this person starts off as a friend and then they turn into an enemy. <laughs> and interestingly, well, I, I was going to say generally the payoff's been pretty quick in Arrow and the Flash, but not necessarily because well, in the Flash, it took us until the end of the first season before Wells really was outed as Reverse Flash. Well, even then, it was a double blind to start with because when we met Edward Thrawn 
That's right. That's right. It was, okay, he's going to be the reverse Flash, and they tricked us with that one. Yeah. But we still haven't seen the transformation of Caitlin Snow into Killer Frost, although that's coming. You know that's coming, yeah. It's one of the things that we saw in the wormhole was her as Killer Frost. Yes, and and they've finally, and this isn't for an enemy purpose, but just as a... You may have mixed feelings about this purpose, oh, Cisco. <laughs> leave Cisco alone, please. He's so Cisco, awesome. Cisco, you can see vibrations. Gee, <laughs> I guess I'll call myself five. Yeah, when the acid wears off, you'll stop. And name you can myself just, after a sex toy. Just continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super dildo. <laughs> we can't use that as a title. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's 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 like. All right, yay, you're going to get superpowers. Oh, it's Vibe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be a superhero. Yay, you're going to be Vibe. Oh. (laughs) So uh, we have a situation where the the characters closest to her, Will, potentially her sister, certainly Hank Henshaw, will turn eventually. And so where does that leave her? Who, Who will be her allies? I suspect that although people really dislike, and they have every reason to, Cat Grant, I think she will begin to develop some depth and and grow over time. Uh, look, Callista Flockhart is a decent actress. Yes. And really she kind She actually of... was in Midsummer Night's Dream. Fun fact, she's done Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking what? I did in high school. <laughs> I'm yammering into a microphone in a second bedroom on the internet. With, with motherfucking depth. Yeah, <laughs> sir. Thank you. <laughs> All I want is to be recognized for motherfucking depth and inventing the DCW, and then I can go right to my grave. I'll do it happily. But see, kids, you can do anything. <laughs> what the hell were we talking about? Um, I well, I, I feel that eventually Cat will oh, come over to. Yeah, it's a, she's she's a good actress, and she is wasted on a one-dimensional, you know, almost Harridan stereotype well, she's, she's channeling meryl streep from the devil wears prada at the moment yeah yeah which, <laughs> which is, i never saw yeah and which is a relationship between mentor and mentee that like i said last week the particulars of that kind of thing are, are not a relationship that i can personally relate to but i've worked for asshole bosses where i can't figure out what the hell they want and i can relate to it on that level and I've got to believe that there is enough of a long-term plan for this character that, that she will be rounded out. Yeah. That said, in the pilot, I wanted her to be thrown from the roof. <laughs> um, We've got Jimmy No Really Call Me James Olsen, uh, who we know will be a good guy because that's what he does. <laughs> yeah, but even in this, he, he's working as a dirty rat for Superman. Doesn't even <laughs> tell Kara. I know. That, that, that he knows that that Superman knows that she might be using her powers, and you've got a secret. No, I've got a secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, we've got those two at the very least. I I really wonder <laughs> like who else will turn up over time. They've uh, the fact that they're going down this route with with the Not Project Seven Seven Three Four. Such a such a good name for print. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, if I were the guy playing Hank Henshaw, <laughs> I work for Project 773. No, DEO is much quicker. It is. It so. is. Uh, that opens up the potential, though, for bringing in 
a Brainiac, bringing in the return of Kandor, bringing back potentially the return of her parents with that. Well, yeah, and in its own way, that's potentially exciting because at least the pilot looks like they might have the money to put behind those. Yes. The special effects in this were better than almost anything I've seen in Flash or Arrow. Mm -hmm. Now, part of that is just CBS has more money so they can do it. But yeah, and, and a lot of it was was actually pretty refreshing. The The final battle between Vartox and Supergirl looked like there was... It looked like there was some CGI in there, but it also looked like a decent amount of practical wire work. Yes. Which was actually kind of cool to see. Yeah. Uh, the actress playing Supergirl is handling her flight scenes very well. Although this is a nitpick, and it only <laughs> occurred to me because the special effects are actually pretty decent on this. Supergirl really should wear her hair in a ponytail. <laughs> because as a dude who has long hair and owns a convertible... Yeah, e even at 70 miles an hour, she'd need super strength to fucking drag the fucking knots out of her hair after a good long flight on that. Yeah. It's something that it doesn't fit the look of the character. But in a practical world, you got long hair and that much wind going through, your hair is fucking disintegrated. Well, I think there's a reason why Power Girl has short hair, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I always felt that way, though, about things involving powerful, long-haired characters anyway. You know, even even a Conan the Barbarian, like you have something there that can be grabbed at that is a point of weakness. Oh yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, he would have been killed sometime around 1948. <laughs> Somebody would have just grabbed a handful of that shit and cut his fucking throat. Yeah. Uh, you know, even in like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like when she had her hair back, like all right, she finally finally is feeling practical. The times where her hair was down, like you're asking for a hair pulling fight. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was asking for a hair pulling <laughs> fight on that show. You and many other male viewers. Yeah. Uh, no. I think I think there's enough there. And some people were, were decrying that, you know, oh, you know, with this Fort Ross or whatever the hell it's called. Um which makes yes, me Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. I, I really didn't mean to press that. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know how this machine worked. <laughs> uh <laughs> clearly I don't. <laughs> I, I, I heard the name. I kept thinking like Pete Ross. Like just like is that is that like some sort of random shout out? Is it being? Is it? Am I mishearing it? Is it like bra or something like? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it's spelled or pronounced or, or whatever. Yeah, it's not a thing I remember from the comics at all. Uh, but again, it will get villains in quickly. It'll get them in quickly. Some people feel that it's lazy and it's going to do like a villain of the week thing. But you know, so what? Well, it's <laughs> going to be for a while. Arrow was a villain of the week for a while. Flash was a villain of the week yeah. for a while. Now, some of those villains were rogues gallery villains, but you need something for the hero to do while you build your universe around him or her. Yes. So villain of the week is the easiest way to do it. And once you have a certain amount of continuity, you can discard a lot of that. Buffy was freak of the week. Oh yeah, for the almost the entirety of its first season. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a good way to. The reality is, you need drama. It's yes. a tights and fight show. Tights are easy. You got to introduce the fights. I will say this in terms of some of the things that that drug me out of it a bit. Um, the actress Michelle, uh, what's her? She's she was on Glee. <laughs> oh, the the woman playing Supergirl. Yeah. Uh, her name is Michelle something or other. 
Michelle, Michelle, well, while Benoist. You, well, while you're looking, one thing that distracted me about her, she has the biggest teeth I have <laughs> ever seen in a human being. When Jimmy Olsen says, you know, you look kind of like Superman around the jaw. I'm thinking, what, does Superman in this universe moonlight as the mascot for Mad Magazine? <laughs> Big teeth. I honestly did not notice her teeth so much, uh, but yeah, whatever <laughs> gets you through. Uh, <laughs> Too much teeth doesn't get any man through, just saying. Michelle Benoist, uh, in terms of physicality, as, as she pulls herself off as Kara, uh, in terms of of how she, she reacts and has facial expressions, great job somebody has got to start working with her even if she's not doing all of her own stunts on her physicality and fight scenes now i understand to a certain degree this is a character who is largely untrained and is just coming from a place of i has i have these powers but you know at the very least it looks like somebody taught grant gustin how to run so when he runs i believe him as a runner when she <laughs> ran down the alley to go flying down the air I, I would have the same problem with sarah michelle geller when she would be running in buffy this is not somebody who runs this is not somebody who knows how to hold themselves when they run <laughs> now see that's i really didn't have too much of an issue with that uh, i took for granted this is somebody who uh, is not trained and has not been using uh, her powers a lot what I took more of an issue was with was in exactly that scene you were talking about, like she was trying to remember how to fly, mm -hmm. because I don't care if you've decided you're not going to be a superhero. If you could fly, I would be flying the minute it got dark outside. <laughs> I don't care whether I was going to do anything with that power or not. Oh, yeah. It's a, look, when I was 15 years old, I was not ready to be married didn't stop me from jacking off every time the door was closed. If you got the power, you fucking use it. I'm going to leave that comparison there. Uh <laughs> Probably a good choice. I also had some some issues with, yeah, the similar, like, you know, I'm not sure how to fly. I'm going to bend really deep and jump. Uh, now we, we've established that the flying comes from some sort of telekinesis where you're pushing off from the earth. You don't really need to jump. Yeah, but but even there, it's... Uh, I. Trying to take a step back from, oh no, flying you do all the time. It's, all right, you know what, for 10 seconds, this is a nice Greatest American Hero nod. I loved that show as That's a kid. True. So, okay, I'll accept it. it. It brought me back to that at the same time. I'm like, uh-uh, you'd be... What I want is if her buddy from work, before he goes evil eventually is really invested in trying to help her be a better hero in terms of hacking into police scanners and helping her with her costume and all of that. Could he please sit her down and have her watch a marathon of martial arts movies so she knows how to fight? Just... <laughs> to at least ape the motion? Yeah. You don't really need to know how to use it. You're Supergirl. Just uh, get a sense of how these folks carry themselves. <laughs> yeah. All right. I can... <laughs> I guess I can see that, but that really didn't bother me. It bothered me, and it bothered me in Buffy. <laughs> you could, it, there's a clear delineation between this is when the actress is fighting, this is when the stunt double is fighting. <laughs> that, which is fair enough. It didn't jump out for me, but but that's fine. That's it's just a me thing. <laughs> <laughs> I take this shit seriously. <laughs> and the one thing that jumped out for me, if they're gonna do Freak of the Week. I hope they do it with characters like fucking Vartox. I loved that his secret base was just in the back of a tanker truck at a fucking <laughs> truck stop. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one thing that was distracting was his main weapon, that battle axe. Yeah. It had the glowing crystal in it that kind of reminded me of like Loki's scepter. A little bit. So visually, it's like, all right, I, I kind of get 
get what you're knocking off. Although it was technically a nuclear core, I guess. Whatever it was. The other problem is clearly I've had a hard time with his name. It so... sounds like Valtrex. He sounds like he's supposed to cure herpes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except with those bumps on his head. It looked more like he had herpes. <laughs> yeah, with those giant bumps on his head, and I couldn't remember his name every time he showed up. I'm like, hey, it's Trucker Klingon. <laughs> Does it hang in steroid Loki? <laughs> Vartox, apply directly to infected area. <laughs> <laughs> apply directly to the forehead. <laughs> The biggest problem I had with him was he's clearly not Kryptonian. No. Why does he have powers? Well, the the implication is that there are, are a wide variety of of uh, nefarious characters on that prison ship that have escaped, and some of them are aliens from other systems. Okay. Yeah, and there, there are enough potential. So he could be White Martian or... Yeah, he could uh, be anything. <laughs> yeah, there's two or three others whose names are escaping me that have powers similar to Kryptonian, but all right. that That's one thing that bothered me. I'm like, God damn it, Trucker Klingon. Why why can you... How do you have super strength? <laughs> because reasons. But but still, just a douchebag with a truck. Yeah. That's... Well, I mean, all right. So getting into other things that, that bugged a little bit, not so much as to make me hate it. Um, they were exceedingly heavy-handed with the go-girl power stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I don't have much of a problem with that. And part of the problem is, it, you know, as I say over and over again in the show, not everything needs to be exactly for me. No, but as as someone who may have been a target, perhaps older than the actual target demo, but, you know, on, on the spectrum of the target dem demo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt it was a little awkward and heavy-handed to have a character apropos of nothing say, "Ooh, a female superhero now, someone that my daughter can look up to." I'm sorry, ma'am, you work for a living. You you put shelter and food uh, out for your daughter. Uh, it would seem to me that if she respects you even remotely, you should be her hero. Well, <laughs> from a from a storytelling standpoint, yes, but also the reality is that's part of why they decided to do a. Supergirl's show instead of spinning vibe off into his own. I know, but that's I, part of the mission statement for this. I come from a place of show, don't tell. Show me why I should respect her as a hero. Show me through the actions of the show why she is someone we should look up to. Don't tell me that I have to look up to her. <laughs> yeah, but I and I agree with you. But again, I did not have a problem with it because I think that part of this show's mission statement, it just wears on its sleeve. I, I, you know, right down to one of the things I like better about this than the trailer was they got rid of that god-awful faux Katy Perry modern <laughs> pop empowerment music yes. and replaced it with She's a Mean Mama Jama from the early 80s. It's like, all right, this is at least a half-decent song that tells the same thing without hammering in that point. So at least parts of it were improved from the trailer. Well, but then we also had Hank Henshaw's sort of like, you know, little girl go home nonsense. <laughs> that. Which, yeah. in addition to his general space immigrant phobia, to be kind. It, he was kind of problematic because, yeah, he was clearly sexist and. If we space racist. Yeah. All right. <laughs> space racist. Yeah. And between that and, you know, Cat Grant being just so over the top, there were. But particularly with Henshaw. It, it made his scenes kind of cringy for me to watch because, you now look, I, I think we've established just in the course of this show, I'm not necessarily the most progressive guy in the world. But at the same time, 
maybe it's just where I live or what. I don't know anybody who is just that overt with ugly opinions. It's like, but no, why would you even think that? What's that based on? And God forbid, if you even think it, you'd say that out loud. I mean, I know those people exist in the world, but and perhaps we're we're lucky because we're in the Boston area and not anywhere near Southie. Uh, well, so. And again, I'm I'm not the most progressive guy in the world. I, I tried just like anybody, but it, that was yeah a little over the top even for me. So okay, so if that was over the top and cringy for you, from my end of things as a woman watching it, some of the stuff was over top over the top and cringy for me. <laughs> okay, which is fine. Um, I, and and even Vartox in his characterization, it, he by the end may as well have been wearing a wife beater. I mean, it was just. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think he might have been. I'd have to go back and look. It's possible. <laughs> if it's still on YouTube, we'll have to go check. I mean, he's wearing. He, he lives in a tanker truck. He's wearing the douchey trucker hat. <laughs> And he's all but screaming, woman, bring me coffee at the diner. You know, like, <laughs> it wasn't even all but. He was screaming, woman, bring me coffee. Yeah, was, I don't think he screamed woman, but it was implied. It was implied, yeah. On my planet, women bow to men. Well, you know, you're not on your planet now, sunshine, are you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Boston, shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> she was far kinder to him than I would have been. <laughs> yeah, but it's... I take it as part of the mission statement of this show. And I don't have a, a problem with it, because not everything needs to be exactly for me. And... If that's the direction it wants to go in, I don't find it alienating. Because the reality is, you know, as a white dude, if I'm looking for somebody I can really identify with who looks and acts like me, it's it's not like I got a drought of opportunities, of of entertainments to go to. You know, as long as this is entertaining, if it hammers it and hammers it and hammers it, then this may move into the area of, okay, this really isn't for me. But I, I don't think there was so much of it, particularly for a pilot episode yeah. where the stakes are, I got to sell this to somebody writing a check. So I need to have enough of the theme so that not only the people who are financing the show will buy nine or 13 or 24 episodes, but somebody tuning in for the first time will have a sense of this is what I can expect from this show. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And like I said, it wasn't enough that it completely dragged me out of it and made me not want to watch it. But just from the perspective of somebody who appreciates balanced storytelling, I wish that they could have found a way to to do more to show rather than tell on that front. And I'm willing to give them the time now that they have more time than 44 minutes yes. to tell their <laughs> stories, to move more in that direction, make it a little less out front, but, you know, re realistically... I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. It's fine for me for <laughs> for an episode or two. Yeah. So, oh, and let's all right. Let's talk about the the stinger spoiler uh, that I, I alluded to earlier. So we've got uh, the big bad is being set up to be somebody called the general who has turned out to be Kara's aunt. Yes. Who feels uh, that she supposed she should have been the one to lead Krypton? She was cheated out of it. Again, I refer you back to what may be a parallel between Kara and her sister Alex. Yes. And the actress, I'd have to go back and look. Looked a lot like the actress they had that was playing her mom. I don't know if it is the same one, but it looked a lot like like her. Yeah. So either we're talking a twin sister thing, or they just cast well. Yeah. In that they they looked like and each other. Good on them. <laughs> Indeed. So, again, a, another strong female character that they're setting up. 
if they adhere at all to anything that they're pulling out of the comics, Alora actually was very cold and calculated and science-minded. She belonged to the, the Kryptonian Science Guild uh, and made some choices based on, on strategy, much like Zod in the Man of Steel movie, yeah. rather than on the well-being of others. Right. So I I do wonder to what degree they may draw from that, because it sounds... When they say, you know, I should have been the one to lead Krypton, I will lead this planet, we'll all lead this planet, it sounds very similar to some of the sentiments that were expressed by some of the Kryptonians in the uh, in the storyline uh, New Krypton, where Kandor is embiggened, and <laughs> 200,000 Kryptonians suddenly get superpowers yeah. on planet Earth. That would be a, a little bit of a sticky wicket. Yes. For... To, the, to the point where eventually... Uh, once they're defeated, they are exiled from the planet and no longer allowed to set foot on Earth other than Superman. Right. <laughs> so it, it could be a parallel to that. Yeah. Uh, at that point, uh, the, I don't think there's probably enough time to to introduce the elements of Brainiac and but Candor. They could start planting the seeds of or introduce Brainiac. They've gone out of their way to make her sidekick from work be a computer hacker. <laughs> True. It, that seems to lend itself to a Brainiac storyline, if not now, soon. Potentially. He's not that good a hacker. He thinks he has to hack police scanner frequencies, which are on the public airwaves. But <laughs> but if we're looking for something that might eventually make the good guy go bad, a run-in with Brainiac could do that. That could potentially do it. But to bring everything up to the point where we we have a full one to one comparison between the new Krypton storyline yeah. from before New Fifty Two and Supergirl. That's a lot of ground to cover quickly, unless they're really thinking long game. And well, I, I do, I do think that Berlanti has demonstrated that he can think in arcs. He gave Green Arrow or Arrow. He gave Arrow a three year plan that tied up neatly at the end of year three. Yeah. It looks like he is setting Flash up for a similar arc of at least three, three to five. Sure. I'd say probably five, given the date when Crisis is supposed to happen and Flash is supposed to disappear. Right. But I could see him coming up with a a, a closure piece at year three with, you know, year four and year five expanding on that with then a, a full tie up. Sure. So there's no reason to think he wouldn't be thinking that way for Supergirl. Very true. So, <laughs> so the question will be, like, but th that would be a hell of a thing to introduce as a post-credit stinger in the pilot, with the thinking this is going to pay off in three years. That's that's a lot of balls if that's really what he's thinking. Uh, I'm thinking. Well, I think they'll have a they'll have a tie-up by the end of the first season for something with the general character, but that doesn't necessarily mean like like Reverse Flash that she'll be defeated. The Phantom Zone is convenient. You put things there until you need them to come back later. It's human parking. It is. So, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So, yeah, you could do something with her with an eye toward something like the new Krypton storyline. It makes a lot of sense, actually. That's possible. I've got good ideas. You do. I, I, <laughs> but I, I think you're you're right. We will see some kind of payoff with the Ant character by the end of this season. Right. Uh, I don't see how they can lay enough pipe as it were, 
<laughs> to go full full new Krypton. Right. And, you know, the, the other piece, too, that is convenient for how they're setting this up is in addition to if they're in addition to um, villain of the week because of the prison break. Uh, we have technology from Krypton of the week <laughs> yeah. in, in the form of, similar to Superman movies, Kara gets to see a hologram of her mother who gives her important advice. <laughs> yep, she does. And then when the hologram's over and disappears, she almost bursts into tears because for all of Krypton's advanced technology, they just never got around to that rewind button. <laughs> just, they never figured out pause. <laughs> They were using the two-bar logo for something else, and they just couldn't free it up. <laughs> so... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. <laughs> so, you know, we may see that holograph again, or hologram again, dispensing other advice. We may see other pieces of Kryptonian technology that will come out as needed to be useful. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, will further the storyline. I think... Also, one of one of the pieces with this that we could see down the line is oh, what was it? Shoot, I just thought I had a thought and it went away. <laughs> you played that sound clip and it went away. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm the worst. I forget. I'll come back to it. I'm All sorry. Right. That, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, overall, that I liked it. It's going on the TiVo. Yeah. Yeah, I I recognize that yes, there are elements here that are not going to directly appeal to me. I'm a dude twice Supergirl's age. So certain parts of this are are not going to appeal to me, but you brought up you may have brought up during this show, but certainly while we've been talking, yeah, if you were a 15-year-old girl yeah, I said and this, this last came, week, yeah. and this <laughs> came on TV, that yeah, would be holy shit, this is exactly what I've always wanted. I had to make do with goddamn Beauty and the Beast, Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman. Like <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, I had Rex Smith Daredevil. I had shit when I was growing up. <laughs> oh, I know what I was gonna say. Um the thing that I think might be interesting for them to explore is when when this prison break happened, if if Superman was present enough that he was doing things on the planet and saving Kara and delivering her delivering her to adoptive parents. Where was he when all of these criminals came streaming out of uh, this prison? It seems to me that that would have been shit he would have wanted to take care of and be on top of. <laughs> you would think, but Superman... I would like them to explore that. Superman <laughs> can't can't be everywhere any more than anybody else can. But he could have got some of them. <laughs> maybe part of this seven years was... He's the, not hurting cats. Was the, <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> Maybe part of this timeline we were talking about were the five years he went into space to look for Krypton's. Maybe he's core. walking the, walking the Earth. I I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> having a Straczynski moment. Fucking no. <laughs> just wandering around. Do, 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 do. Yep, just walking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know where Superman was. We're gonna find out. I hope they've made Superman such an elephant in the room in this show. Yeah. That he's he's underneath everything with secret plans to and spies and yeah, <laughs> yeah, spies and rats and fucking government agents. Superman's a cock in this. Show. Well, let's just say like it's see that's just it. Like why the Danvers? I want them to explore that. What relationship, if any, did they have to the DEO, or did the DEO just say hi? We're the government. We're coming for the spaceship. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's enough stuff there that there could be hinky relationships between 
the Danvers, the DEO, and Superman. Yeah, it's there's a lot there to explore, and I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm glad I remembered that thought. Yes. I worry about the, the brain damage. Yeah. Yes. Now that said, let's wrap this show up so we can go get drunk. Okay. <laughs> no. But no, it's a overall, yeah, I enjoyed it. There's going to be parts of it that are not for me, but there was enough of it that I did like. I'm definitely going to give it a shot. I think for you, no matter what, we're going to be getting it. Yeah. I, I definitely want to give it more more time to, to play out. We talked about, I think last week, Arrow was slow to get up and running, but with enough alcohol enough. and easy access to Twitter so that I can share my thoughts with the world, because my thoughts are fucking important. <laughs> sure they are, baby. <laughs> I will power through this first season. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Fire. Sound effect didn't fire. This fucking thing. That's okay. I'm sure you will have plenty of other opportunities to to share your thoughts uh, and <laughs> yes. to to hit various sound cues. <laughs> yeah, I'm the worst. If only we had a radio program that broadcast once a week to the internet. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll step back from the thing. Step away from the sound cues. <laughs> all right. How are we doing on time? You want to talk about a few books? Yeah, we're at about an hour 20, so. Okay. Did I bring the books up? I don't think you did. Okay, well, We'll shit. wing it. Do you have your notes? You have... I have my notes. Okay, then so... just go with your notes. All right, which one do you want to start with? Any of them is fine. Uh, okay, you want to start with Planet Hulk? Let's start with Planet Hulk. Okay. I'm going to shift the Marvel, folks. We talked about a DC property. DCW, I'm sorry. Yeah, please. <laughs> if I could just get a nickel out of that every time somebody <laughs> says it. If I could just get somebody to say it besides us. <laughs> but part of what... I just want to bring this up as an aside. Okay. We're talking about all Marvel books this week because the DC books, the Convergence books were certainly fine, but with God as my witness, DiDio, somebody over there, the four page in the middle of every issue advertisement for the post new 52 books for the DCU books. Yes. What a fucking irritating pain in the ass. You're halfway through a story and then bam, I got to flip through four or five pages to get to the rest of the story. Yeah. You don't need to advertise your books. I'm reading it in one of your books. <laughs> a DC comic book doesn't fly into your fucking hands from out of nowhere. It's, you know, it's not like creep show where it blows down the street out of a dumpster and some <laughs> Somebody who's never seen a DC book gets it and goes, huh, are there other DC books besides this Convergence? No, I'm already a fucking customer. Don't sell me that shit. It's a pain in the ass. It breaks my flow and drags me out of every one of your books. Stop doing that. Okay. And the other thing is there was potentially, there was a news rumor, and again, it was on Bleeding Cool, take it as a rumor, that DC might start running half-page ads on story pages. That's not cool. The rumor is that artists are starting to be told to plan their layouts around having a block of ads on the page. That is not cool. Don't do that shit. It's <laughs> the reality is I have a comics podcast. I have to read all of these. I will scream every fucking episode where I'm talking about a DC book that it's a terrible fucking move. I call on people if this happens, you start showing up at panels and be that guy in line. Yeah. Be that guy in line. It, it, let them know that is not cool. Yeah, I'm already <laughs> paying $4 for a funny book. Yeah, I will tell you right sake. now, DC sales. If you do that, whatever the product is, is going on my list. I will never buy it, and I will tell others to do the same. Well. No, I'm serious. I believe you. 
I'll wind up buying them because we have to review them. But... No, I mean the pro- whatever it is they're advertising. Oh, the the product they're yeah. advertising. Whatever the product, it, it goes on the list. Nope, never ever, and I will tell others to do the same. Yeah, it's it, it's hard enough to keep the flow of the way things are, and I, I've written about this before. You know, these these comic books are four bucks, and I realize that they are work heavy to get them done, but Rolling Stone manages to be managed to be four bucks with a hundred something pages in various articles. Yeah. We're paying four bucks, plus we're dealing with advertising, plus your own fucking advertisements making me flip page, 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 page to get back to the story. Yeah, breaking up a story page with an ad is a bridge too far. Yeah. Just- I mean about the about the next most obnoxious thing you could do is start putting fucking cologne inserts in there. Oh my god. Cause that's something Rolling Stone does that pisses me the fuck off it's a reason why i don't buy most women's magazines like if i wanted to smell your fucking shitty dracker noir crossed with deep woods off shit i would go to a mall indeed so yeah don't do that shit <laughs> don't fuck with us over this i'm a nasty piece of work ask anybody so we'll talk about marvel books today. We'll talk about marvel books <laughs> All right, so we'll start with uh, Planet Hulk number one. This is uh, one of the first of the uh, Secret Wars tie-in titles. Uh, This one is written by Sam Humphreys, uh, art by Mark uh, Laming, uh, with a backup story written by Greg Pak, and art by Takeshi Miyazawa. Give me that. I think Miyazawa. (laughs) What kind of parents would name their kid that? Jesus. Um, I'm a New Englander. I'm lucky I can pronounce my own name, for Christ's sake. It's up in the top in bold. Yes, I see that. Takeshi uh, Miyazawa. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> so. Or Takeshi Miyazawa. Yeah. See? It's not as easy as it looks. All right. So anyway, this, the, the main story. Uh, we are in Battle World, and uh, Planet Hulk is uh, actually uh, not a planet. It is a country. Yes. That is not called Planet Hulk. It is called Greenland. And uh, it is full of hulks. At least it's less of a misnomer than our Greenland. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, full of hulks who who live in a manner that you would expect from hulks. <laughs> if hulks were semi-intelligent poop-throwing apes or <laughs> perhaps any member of the Wahlberg family. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that that's what we see for a page or two. And uh, then we're in a coliseum outside of uh, the castle of God Emperor Doom. Yes. Big swinging dick doom. <laughs> Mommy didn't give me enough love doom. Whatever. God Emperor doom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, Captain America and Devil Dinosaur. Of all, like of all of the, like if anybody like put a gun to my head before Battle World started and said, you know who you're gonna see team up. I would not have guessed those <laughs> two. But uh, yes, they have uh, they've beaten all comers and gotten face to face with Arcade who denies knowing uh, the location of Bucky, which shouldn't be surprising because it's Arcade. He's also shaky on the location of his asshole (laughs) as compared to a hole in the ground. So Doom tells Cap that Bucky's in Planet Hulk, which is actually Greenland, and gives Cap the chance to go find him so long as Cap agrees to hunt down and kill the Red King. Who's the Red King? He's a Red Hulk. He's a Red Hulk. So it's a mystery. Provided it's still 2008, <laughs> although I don't think it's the actual Red Hulk, but we'll talk about that in a second. So, but at this point, there are so many characters in in the Hulk family who are irradiated in some fashion. <laughs> yes, 
it could be Rick Jones for all we know. <laughs> Honestly, the mullet he's rocking, that's my money's on Rick Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Either that or me back in high school was apparently a Hulk. Are you a Hulk? Uh, I no longer have a mullet. It is not 1989 <laughs> anymore. And uh, is that a crack about my weight? Is no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'll fight you right now. <laughs> wow. That that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first thing, I, first thing I thought finishing the main story in this book was, you know what would have been nice in this book called Planet Hulk? What, dear? The Odd Hulk. They were Hulks. Okay. They, they they threw feces and shit. <laughs> feces and shit. They did. We literally, <laughs> we literally saw some Hulks flinging their own poo at Thor's. They're never going to put that in a movie. No, they're not. <laughs> but we, we saw that. We saw the Red King. And then we go to Captain America until the last page. And then we see what looks like it might be a Tony Stark Hulk because he's got a chest repulsor. No, I think that's just the straight Doc Green 616 You think so? Okay. Just based on the mohawk haircut. Oh, yeah. But but yeah, the main story here is 21 pages. It's 21 pages after you take out the big double page title page. Right. Seriously, Marvel people, just because Jonathan Hickman does shit like that doesn't mean you all have to. (laughs) I mean, if Jonathan Hickman jumped off a bridge, would you? Or would you just silently be relieved? (laughs) But anyway, well, 20... it was a good idea, but there wasn't a lot of heart in it. <laughs> well, no, twenty-one pages. This story was exactly four pages, including a Hulk. Okay. So yeah, it's. I thought it was Hulk light as a setup. You know, I'm willing to accept it, but it just sort of ugh, one more Hulk. It's a Hulk book. It's not a Captain America book. Well, I I'm willing to to give it some time. <laughs> He's in Greenland now. He's gonna be nothing but fucking Hulks. That that's true, but also regarding the the shit flinging hulks. <laughs> now I recognize that this particular area of the planet Hulk that's actually a country that's actually Greenland. Um, it's the Mud Kingdom, and there's like seven or eight different. Seriously, that's what it's called. Uh, they draw mud and they <laughs> fling it. <laughs> oh, I think I drew mud. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the Mud Kingdom. There's barons of the tribal hulks. There's Fang Mountain. She-Hulk Shore. There's a whole bunch of different parts of Greenland. But, I mean, this is a book that is named after an epic year-long tale of gladiatorial combat that ends in fucking regicide. Yeah. And we're going to open this story named after that epic with Hulk fling poop. It's just totally, it kind of... It does seem as though it's not doing enough to honor the property from whence it came. Now, it is early yet. Yes. And it sounds like I'm being really negative about this book. And there were parts of it where it it didn't really work for me. But with that out of the way, yeah, Captain America and Devil Dinosaur doesn't make any sense at all. (laughs) But it is fucking awesome. It is. It really is. Now, with that said, the one last negative, the first time we see Captain America, Captain America is immediately after he killed a bunch of fucking Wolverines. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, yes, I, I know Captain America is a soldier, and he has killed people before, but it's a little weird to see, here's your hero, the embodiment of America on the week of fucking Memorial Day weekend. Oh, yeah, Jesus. The Butcher of Doomstock. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Jesus. <laughs> Wait, let me write that down. <laughs> okay. But uh, with that said, 
I really could watch Captain America threaten to kill Arcade a million fucking times and never get bored. I hate Arcade as a villain. Yeah, he really I've sucks. always hated Arcade as a villain, even when I was 11, 12 years old and we started seeing them because Arcades were a thing back then. Even then, I no, this is... This is opportunistic. This is somebody, I forget who created them, John Byrne, whatever. This is somebody saying, oh, I hear about arcades, and uh, it's big now with the kids. Hey, yeah. kids. Yeah. So let's let's do a villain. <laughs> let's do a villain that the kids can relate to. He makes them play games and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it was good to see Arcade take kind of a beating. Yes. <laughs> I wish he could have taken more of a beating. Bitch respond. Now... Again, Jesus, it sounds like I'm being wicked negative about this book, and, and it did have problems, but there was some really cool stuff in it. Also, when Cap is dropped in Greenland and attacked by the insects, that line, the insects are corrupted by Gamma, they are Hulk. That was a great fucking line. It was. And yeah, at the end, you might have a point with maybe it's a Hulk version of... Of Stark. Of Stark, but, but again... That, Doc Green version of 616 Hulk has been rocking that Yeah, I think, I think your explanation is more likely. But, you know, particularly after after the Hulks we've seen are, you know, you, we've got shit-flinging Hulk and mullet Hulk. Well, I think, though, that they, they go out of their way to explain why. I mean, not everybody in the world is a Bruce Banner or a Doc Sampson. Sure. <laughs> in in the, the story that details the origins of this world amadeus cho uh tries to save the world from getting nuked by a gamma bomb thinks he tweaks it and then everybody gets gamma radiated anyway and then seems to devolve yeah well all right so why don't we cut over to the backup story <laughs> for a second uh, i'm glad that greg pock got the chance to at least contribute yes to the book that's named after, after his Epic arguably his magnum opus yes <laughs> yeah, and even if it's not even if he continues to do great things and things that are greater than planet hulk planet hulk is one of the great arcs in hulk publishing history absolutely so i'm glad he got at least a piece of it if we take that as sort of an alternate ish parallel universe modern day possible origin for what amounts to a planet of a bunch of hulks it's a more modern interpretation you, know, you go from gamma bombs to gamma genetic modifications, mm -hmm. that, which makes more sense in 2015. Because in 2015, Bruce Banner, he'd be working a massive tech startup. Yeah. He would not be working for the military to fight the commies by building bombs. Probably not, no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, as an alternate universe story and any story with Amadeus Cho, I'm generally going to like. That said, the whole thing was a little manga for me. Well, I think it was purposely so. Because they were focusing on Cho. Yeah, it's uh, and the art style was clearly manga influence, yeah. and it's it's not a long way to go to take Amadeus Cho from the Marvel books and sort of amp him up a little bit to make him the cheeky little scamp of a <laughs> of an anime hero like you'd see. So yeah. it, it makes a certain amount of sense. I'm not a huge manga fan. So. See, I I feel that Miyazawa. Although it clearly had a, a manga look to it, it wasn't as over the top as like a Umberto Ramos or that level of. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, the round eyes weren't giant round eyes and, you know. Yeah, it was know, that whole visual the, style. The cowboy bebop side of things versus the, I don't know, trigun side. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah no, that makes sense what you're saying. And, and I agree with you. But it's. 
manga. To, that's not really my style of story. And it's that's a, okay. Uh, I'm glad he got a piece of it, and it'll be interesting to see if they do a follow-up with it. And yeah, as the idea of how would a Hulk be created now makes a lot more sense. So yeah. I think it was a smart update for this parallel universe, but it, it didn't utterly work for me. And that's okay. Now, and clearly, God, the more I talk about it, the more negative I feel about it. But all I keep thinking is I have visions in a few weeks or a few months of this of a big splash of gladiator, gladi gladiator Captain America riding devil fucking dinosaur into Doomstot at the head of a column of shit-flinging hulks. <laughs> oh, please let that happen. That alone is, is worth following Please let that happen. <laughs> that would be so glorious. That would be glorious. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of potential here. I do think it was a rocky start. Yes. So this one... Look, we're obviously going to keep getting it because Planet Hulk is, I know, one of your favorite it stories. Is. It's of the last absolutely 10 years. one of my favorite. So we'll stick with it one way or the other. I think it started rocky, but there's enough inspired cool shit in here that, okay, I will give you an opportunity to give me even more inspired cool shit. So this is a qualified yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Where do you want to go from I'll here? I'll just keep going order. <laughs> there's no order. It's just the order I put my notes in. Go in the order of your notes. Okay, um, so we'll go to Ultimate End, okay. number one, uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Mark Bagley. Bendis and Bagley, back together again. Indeed. <laughs> That's how the Ultimate Universe started. That's how it's going out. Yep. So this is still a post-incursion story, so the Ultimate and 616 versions of Manhattan are apparently fused together. Uh, 616 Spider-Man still up patrolling uh, and is deeply disturbed that... Everybody seems to know his name. Yeah, everybody there who came from... The ultimate universe uh, knows he's Peter Parker. Manhattan is now Cheers. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the added fact that ultimate Black Widow is a clone of him minus uh, Parker's Peter. <laughs> yes, I worked on that all fucking day. And yes, I am deeply, deeply fucking ashamed. <laughs> but uh, I would pat you on the head, but I don't think it would help. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I wrote it. I you knew it. it. I knew it was wrong. I did it anyway. You did it anyway. And I feel shame. It's all right, honey. I'll but... still love you. <laughs> Anyway, um, Ultimate Nick Fury uh, is called for a meeting of some of the Avengers and the Ultimates, uh, trying to figure out how to put everything right. And since this isn't a DC comic, yeah, none of them trust each other. Right. So, yeah, like I said a minute ago, if the Ultimate Universe has to end, it is just right that it's under Bendis and Bagley. Absolutely. Yeah, that is how this universe started and... God knows the Ultimate Universe has had its ups and downs, but you bought, and I still read it now and again, the first big omnibus. Yeah, the of, compendium of the first 15 issues, I think, or Of something. Ultimate Spider-Man, and that still stands up as just great storytelling with with excellent cartoon comic art. Well, it's one of those just, I don't know, weird things where... You know the origin story of of Spider-Man, and yet, <laughs> yeah, monthly I would pick this up with excitement, knowing full well what happens in Super in Spider-Man's origins. <laughs> it's, the... but he he was just different enough, and I didn't care. I, I you know, oh, uh, Gwen is Carnage, uh, okay, <laughs> or Venom, or what? No, Carnage. <laughs> yeah. it, the Ultimate Universe had a very particular mandate when it started out and it was to 
modernize characters in a parallel universe of which would never meet the 616, but where the characters could be modernized for new, younger readers. And over time, that mission, I don't want to say was polluted, but it really sort of felt like if somebody came into a Marvel summit and said, hey, I got this wild-ass, stupid fuck, let's make Captain America president. (laughs) <laughs> they would, as opposed to this is where we get new readers, it became, well, this has its own continuity and it doesn't matter. So do your stupid shit there. Yeah. Y- you want to flood Manhattan and kill Daredevil Jeff Loeb? Okay, we'll give you a five issue miniseries over here. And that was really the beginning of the end. To yeah, me. It, it turned into a bit more of an Elseworlds than. Yeah, it, it became. Garbage pile is a strong word, but it, it became sort of the the sketch pad, the scratch pad. Well, where, okay, go there and fuck around, but do your real work over here in the six one. Started to send serious warning shots across the bow relatively early with the Ultimates. As soon as Mark Millar was given the green light to make Captain America a jerk, and yeah. to bring back uh, wife beater Hank Pym. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, that's the. They they had an opportunity to not go in that direction. They didn't go in that direction for Ultimate Spider-Man, so there was no need to. <laughs> yeah, there was a particular message in that. They got my dick message! <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to see that Bendis and, and Baglier are seeing the ship out. Yeah, it, they really... They... They christened the thing. It's right that they have the chance to close it out. Yes. So, I think it's also right that at least this particular issue is basically a Spider-Man comic book. With all of the talking head fun that you come to know and love from from Bendis. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It's there's. <laughs> I really enjoyed this book. This is probably the book I've enjoyed the most of any of the Secret Wars books for the last couple of weeks. Um. That said, there there are going to be a huge number of people who are just driven apeshit crazy. It's another people talking around a table Bendis book because that's literally what half of this it, book is. It really is. is. It's the Avengers and the Ultimates sitting around a table fucking talking. Yeah. But it's <laughs> part of why I like this also was of most of the Secret Wars stuff that we've seen for the last couple of weeks, this felt like a superhero comic. It Shocking. Was, yeah, well, it was in a recognizable location with recognizable heroes in their recognizable costumes, doing recognizable things. Yeah, Tony Stark was drinking. Yeah, well, <laughs> all right, that, that's another thing. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but it was it was Spider-Man in Manhattan with the Avengers and the Ultimates. And it, it was a superhero comic book, whereas Secret Wars number two was Game of Thrones. Yeah. Planet Hulk is... Gladiator. (laughs) Shit flinging. (laughs) Yeah. Gladiator with more poop. But this was a superhero book, and I appreciated seeing that. Now, I did have a little bit of an issue with all the contempt and arguing between the 616 Tony Stark and the ultimate Tony Stark. Now, on one hand, it makes sense. I like the idea that the 616 Stark would see in the ultimate Stark himself back when he was drinking and feel contempt for that guy. But wasn't the 616 Stark pretty much that guy last month in Superior Iron Man? That's where actually I had some I had some questions about which one was which at times. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure the one that was drinking was Ultimate Iron Man. 
Yeah, but we saw him drink. You're right. We saw him drinking <laughs> back when he was doing Superior Iron Man just a few months back. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. But that version of Tony Stark, I'm pretty sure, was the one we saw dealing with Ultimate Amadeus Cho poking at the portal, which they think was the problem that created all of this. Right. So I'm pretty sure the one that was in armor was the 616. But yeah, he was a shit-faced, vainglorious douchebag just last month in Tom Taylor's Superior Iron Man. Now, I can accept the idea that the incursion caused that version of Stark to maybe be obliterated. You know what? I I just had a thought. Yeah, the, the, the one that's being all imperious and judgy is probably the 616 one because he's a member of the Illuminati. We've already established that the members of the Illuminati are assholes. I keep using the word douchebag a lot this episode, so I tried to come up with a synonym. And <laughs> There you go. Quit smiling. Damn it, it's a wrong button. A bunch of a-holes. I stepped on my own punchline. Okay. Shit. It, it, you know, it, what, either one would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You're trying, and I think that's the important part. <laughs> Don't patronize me, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> so it makes sense that if, if those individuals in the 616 that are in the, in the Illuminati uh, can't be reasoned with and are coming off harshly, it gives us that much more reason to root for the other characters. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> absolutely. At this point, almost anybody in the Illuminati, yeah, I want to see them... I said last week, I want to see him in the hog or the Hague <laughs> or however you pronounce it. I want him to stand trial for hog. I think it's the hog. Whatever. Maybe it's the Hague. I want him in irons. <laughs> irons I can pronounce. Hog rhymes with Prague. I'm pretty sure that one's. Sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can't imagine the enormity of the fuck I don't give. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I can accept maybe the incursion wiped out Superior Iron Man. Yeah, I could also accept that the aftermath of it caused superior Iron Man to get a fresh dose of self-loathing because mm. of his part in the Illuminati and maybe drop the booze and the most egregious of his narcissism and become his old self. But whatever it is, tell me which one it is, whether superior Iron Man's gone and the incursion created this new version or what, just tell me what we're dealing with. Right. Because right now he's acting out of character from his most recent characterization. It was a little weird. Yeah. It was a little hard to follow. One, those three pages of prequel, because everything in this story happened like three weeks ago. Right. Those first three pages with Punisher saying, I should have done this a long time ago. And oh, just, yes. <laughs> and just aiming that sniper's rifle at that splash page of, what seemed like all of the 616 and ultimate heroes attacking each other from either side of the page, I would seriously buy those pages. Like, I hunted around online to see if Bagley has an accepted the art dealer page or website or whatever. Something on DeviantArt or something. Yeah, I would spend a significant amount of money to get that spread. Well, it is fucking glorious. Al Ewing did say in Chicago that Punisher is going to kill a lot of people. He well, this and that's the thing. I don't know which Punisher this is. Is it Ultimate <laughs> Punisher? Or is it Six One Six Punisher? <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's so as a tease of of what might come, and just to see the Punisher, just the the implication that things go so wrong that the last line of defense is the guy who's just willing to kill them all. 
Yeah. And it adds just some more weight to the entire story. You both fucked up. You get a bullet. You get a bullet. <laughs> you get a bullet. You all get bullets. Everyone look under your chair. There's nothing there. I just wanted to see the back of your fucking neck. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that uh, I've seen in a lot of the Secret Wars books, this one in particular uh, being so Ultimate Universe heavy, how do you feel about the lettering differences between the 616 and ultimate characters on a word balloon by word balloon basis. Ultimate always had a different lettering style than yeah. the rest of Marvel comics. And here, if it's an ultimate character talking, it's the old ultimate I guess that's how we can figure font. out which Tony is which. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. It really does help identify which version you're looking at. And it does make a difference when it's a, continuity fucking event honestly i don't think that i noticed that much because you're saying it now and i'm like oh yeah i guess it was I, I, it, it it was not jarring and see it was to me it, every time i noticed the change in font it popped me out of the book a little bit because mm. it's ultimately it's a production trick okay and it's one that has some value because it yeah it is a decent indicator of which is which i must just sort of be inured to it though because after reading all of the various scott snyder batman books there, there's a lot of occasions where if it's Joker or somebody under Joker's influence, they've got different lettering than the hero characters. <laughs> yeah, and it, certainly it's not a deal breaker because I've noticed it in, in various books over the last eh, probably month or so mm. as these universes have started to cross. I'm wondering if I'm going to start noticing it more now that we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, sorry if I fucked things up for you. but Damn it, it you were a ruiner and you <laughs> ruin everything. I suck. I'm the worst <laughs> person in the world. But <laughs> but it, it's, like I said, it's a production trick. I, I do think it has its place. Because, yeah, now if you go back and look and see which Iron Man has what lettering, you're going to know which one is which. Right. But, you know, it's also, every time I see it, it's uh, I can see the man behind the curtain working. I suppose. I'm not sure there's a way around it, because otherwise it could be wicked confusing or you need a whole lot of exposition to very clearly show who is who. People start wearing name tags. <laughs> Tony 616. Hi. Hi, my name is Johnny Walker Blue. Oh, hi, <laughs> Ultimate Tony. How are you? <laughs> but yeah, overall, this has been my favorite of the Secret Wars books so far, because... Of almost all the Secret Wars books so far, it's a fucking superhero story still. Yes. And it's by the two guys who created the Ultimate Universe. And like I said, over time, the Ultimate Universe is not what it was when it started, but I still got a soft spot for it. Absolutely. You know, it was part of what you know, I've said a million times on this show for most of the 90s. I was reading just Vertigo books. And when I started to dive wholeheartedly back into superhero books, Ultimate Spider-Man was one of the ones that was there that I started picking up early. Mm -hmm. So it's um, I'm always going to have a soft spot for the Ultimate Universe, even though within a relatively short period of time, it kind of went off its own rails yeah. and became a whole other thing yes. that was not always, my God, the United We Stand arc with Captain America as oh, fucking president. Oh, man, yeah. It's like, <laughs> this is a thing to be endured. <laughs> once, once through, the other side will be stronger for the experience. <laughs> All right, why don't we wind up with just the biggest fun out of Marvel yeah. this week. Speaking of fun. <laughs> Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars, uh, written by Cullen Bunn. We have art by Matteo Lali and a backup story written by Bunn with art by Jacopo Camag Camagni? What kind of parents would name their kid that? Camagni, maybe. I don't know. Comandi? Sure, whatever. <laughs> he's the last boy on Earth and he's working for Marvel. 
So uh, this one, despite the name, well, it's not a Secret Wars story. Well, it, it is, but it's not because it's a 1984 Secret Wars story, except it's not because Daredevil, Dare, Daredevil, Deadpool, <laughs> he wasn't in that story because in 1984, Rob Liefeld was still in high school, busy learning his craft and saying, feet, fuck them. Um, <laughs> and besides the Dirty Harry flick that my parents were killed by a foot. I will never draw feet. <laughs> uh, besides the, the Dirty Harry movie that he got the Deadpool name from, that wasn't out until 1988. So anyway, it's an imaginary story about Deadpool in the original Secret Wars, and it's really, really fucking It really fun. is. It really is. It's Bun has everyone in the book act and talk like they're in like a 1983, 84, 85 comic book. Like, particularly one that was edited by Jim Shooter, who mm, always yeah. said, no matter what, everybody needs to, this is somebody's first book, everybody needs to know who everybody is, and everybody needs to know exactly what's going on and what they missed. So everybody talks in exposition, everybody introduces themselves, so nobody's ever confused, and they act like it's the first time all the Marvel heroes were in one place before, because it kind of was. Yeah, good yeah. point. And everybody describes exactly what they're looking at, and then there's Deadpool, who knows he's in a fucking comic book. <laughs> And he knows he's in an old comic book, so he's just referencing how stilted and one-sided everybody's talking and how weird the action <laughs> is, and it's just a fucking blast. Shout out to uh, the artist for the old-school Wasp costume where the neckline makes an exaggerated W. It was just the worst <laughs> oh. costume. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> and you bring that back. <laughs> you know what I love? that Deadpool had the big DP on his chest. Yeah. Partially because in 1984, he would have had some kind of logo. It's true. But mostly because DP is the acronym for double penetration. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So he's got that on his chest. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't know how many people picked that up. But oh, God, you're 12. <laughs> I, I am. I'm terrible. We've established I'm just an awful person in this show. But uh, so, uh, Are you sure that the, the, the shit-flinging hulks didn't appeal to you more? Uh, and you're just ashamed to admit it? I'm not going to admit anything without my fucking lawyer here. You leave me out of this. So Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. <laughs> but just some of the specific stuff in the main story that, that, and you pointed this out to me, the aside between Deadpool and Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Where Deadpool asks, <laughs> how can you hang out with these goody two-shoes? And Wolverine says, most of my healing factor is dedicated to my pride. <laughs> it would have to be. Yeah. That little moment of Deadpool... Uh, attacking absorbing man singing scandals <laughs> i am the warrior <laughs> and deadpool beats kang the conqueror the time master by kicking him in the fucking junk <laughs> it's about the only way you'd be do you see this coming <laughs> it's about the only way you could distract him with egregious pain exactly <laughs> and uh when deadpool makes fun of professor eck Professor X walking. Oh, yeah. Uh, saying, you know, all right, uh, whatever. Uh, however you want to ignore continuity problems. Yeah, fine. yeah. <laughs> and it's it works because everything but Deadpool. You, you take Deadpool out. This is truly an early 80s comic. You know, the, the art style similar, the dialogue, the characterization, how the story's put together. But you've just got this outlier in there making fun of it from the outside. Yeah. And he's the, he's going to turn out to be the only survivor of whatever this fight turned into. Yeah. So it was just, it, it was fun and really clever 
satire of that kind of comic book. Yeah, and and it was interesting, you know, with 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 boob jokes. <laughs> with boob jokes. Uh it was it was interesting. Uh yeah, now that you mention it, there Deadpool just flat out asks two other characters for a threesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's like that wasn't a that wasn't a no, She-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Shulky. <laughs> yeah, Shulky. That's cuz that's 1984, that's what you would have called her. Yep. <laughs> uh I found it interesting they made the comment to explain away the continuity bobble uh, of you know, why, why are you suddenly standing? Oh, because uh, here the the creator of, of these games wants us all to be our idealized versions of ourselves. Uh, so it was interesting to see the reveal of Deadpool at the very end where he looks like a blonde Tom Selleck. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> just a, a glorious, hairy-chested 1970s ideal of Burt Reynolds and Tom Selleck. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would have thought, and granted, there may be some likeness rights involved that they couldn't get. They, they've gone as far as to say in continuity that Deadpool sees himself looking like Ryan Reynolds, which is why it was funny that they got him for the movie. Well, that's a whole chicken and the egg thing, because I want to say the first time he said that was after... Ryan Reynolds was attached to play Wade Wilson in X Men Origins. So. I, I think that it's I think it's in continuity before he was hired. You know, you would know better than I do because you you you're a bigger Deadpool fan than I'm I am. Pretty sure I'm right. But I would guess because Reynolds is asked about it in the press for Green Lantern before Deadpool was even a glimmer. No. uh... Shit. I'm pretty sure I'm right. No, I'm pretty I'm almost 100% sure Green Lantern was 2011 mm. and X-Men Origins Wolverine was 2009. I'll have to go back and look. I feel like he was asked about it in press before it became a thing. I could be wrong, but I I think the gag that he was he looked like Ryan Reynolds was based on he <laughs> Ryan Reynolds played him in Wolverine and looked like he was going to get a movie and then it didn't happen. And now we're in a situation where look at the cancellation of fantastic four. <laughs> Ike Perlmutter is doesn't want to give any attention or any money to these properties at Fox. So even though the Deadpool movie's happening, it's not a Marvel studios movie. So yeah, make them look like somebody else and pretend that whole gag. never. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. That would make sense too. But I, I could be wrong. God knows I've been wrong 30 times on this episode alone. No, so, no, you're fine. But but yeah, the, the main story on this was was really cool. The backup story was also fun, but in, in a very different way. It just sort of takes the background of the Contest of Champions crossover yes. from even earlier than Secret Wars and just loads it up with a bunch of second stringers and made-up heroes and villains in a ridiculous fucking competition, like just for the sheer lunatic fucking thrill of it. Right. And right. you know, just sort of the, hey, we want to be part of this too. All right, fine. <laughs> You're hunting this stupid thing. In, uh, and they're just the worst, be other than Howard the Duck, just the worst B-list. <laughs> oh, yeah. The the she-man thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, that moment, the pink sphinx, where she convinces Rocket Racer that he's the love child of Donny Osmond and Dazzler. That was pretty nice. <laughs> So a lot of jokes in it, but it works on a very different manner than the main story. The main story has a ton of satire going on with it. Uh, the backup just sort of uses Contest of Champions as sort of a fine, here's a framework we can just hang a bunch of goofballs in 
and have him in this ridiculous situation with a strip club and a participant's trophy. It's still fun, but for this, it worked for me in the main story. Um, the You're, first time Ryan Reynolds is brought up as, as what, what Deadpool thinks he looks like is in Cable and Deadpool number two, page 13. Is there a date on that? There isn't. Um, oh, wait, actually, if only I hit this link. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sad thing. You have to do all this stuff on your phone because we have many computers here in the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's home office studio, and they're all dedicated to me doing 2004. That. Really? Yep. Okay. All right. So I'm completely wrong on that. Pretty sure I was right. <laughs> he says that he looks like Ryan Reynolds crossed with a Sharpay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I thought I knew it. <laughs> it's Hey, I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> So, all right, that makes the casting more interesting. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. Th this is a uh, post-Marvel Studios world, and yeah, if Fox Studios has it, I'm pretty sure nobody at Marvel has the stones to irritate the boss. True. And uh, reference movies that... What Fantastic Four? It's dead to me. Dead! <laughs> <laughs> what is this, Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four and X-Men? Mutants? Mutants and Fantastic Four? Sure, <laughs> Yeah, Christ, it's like Perlmutter thinks he's the fucking Scarlet Witch. No more mutants! Oh, God. I'm surprised it took, <laughs> took this long <laughs> for one of us to come up with that. It's stupid, but I'm surprised God, did he also me. have, like, visions of having fake children with the vision? I mean, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that guy was a jackass! <laughs> so, yeah, that one, that issue was just pure fun I, I like the main story better than the backup but either way the backup was just hysterical though it, to, to go all the way through and it, participant like, it, just... it, it was it was funny in a different way than the main story but it, either way things are just so heavy and bummer in yeah. the main marvel books the last couple of weeks and it doesn't look to be clearing up nope. anytime soon that uh, yeah fine just give me a blast of humor Give me a give me some of that old time comics with somebody just making fun of how they're old time comics. Yeah, it's uh, this one was was worth it. Is it a gimmick? Yeah, sure. Of course it is. Half, but like <laughs> half of Deadpool's books are fucking gimmick books, right? No, they work for you. or They don't. And this one it worked better than. But the only thing that this book was missing was him chomping on chimichangas all the way through it. it was just <laughs> well, where are you going to get one on Battle World? One of the pouches. The pouches have everything. Were you not paying attention? The pouches had big red gum, ammo, and sardines. They could have also had chimichangas. Very possible. I think we're going to find before this series is over that he goes to the machine that gives you new costumes and just gets chimichanga out of it. <laughs> That's a prediction. He'll ask for a chimichanga, and it'll be a symbiote chimichanga. The pouches are... Symbiote chimichanga will be the name of my next punk band. <sighs> <laughs> Actually, that's more a ska band name if I want to tell really the truth. It really is. It really is. I was about to say, like, what the pouches seem to be like this D and D like bag of holding. Like, just, just you can put whatever in there. <laughs> He's got enough. Pull of them out endless things. Yeah, between his belt and his thigh pouches, it's, <laughs> that's not a bad gag to go with. That he just sort of has whatever you want. The pouches are bigger on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> They're calling from inside the pouch. Get out. <laughs> All right. With that, why don't we wrap it up? How are we doing on time? Uh, we're, we're just a little over two hours. So okay. Yeah. So, yeah, let's uh, let's stick a pin in this one. 
don't know where you found this particular episode because we are in a bunch of places, but no matter what, you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find a link to our Facebook page on our homepage. Uh, we don't do a lot there, but we certainly can get messages there if you want to reach out to us. We are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter. You knew it earlier. At Infinite Midlife. Look at you knowing stuff. Oh, my God. That's what happens when you do the show sober. Next week, <laughs> I'll have forgotten that again. At Infinite Midlife. Yes. Uh, we... Uh, you can email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. Yep. We are on iTunes. If you find the show there, do us a favor. Uh, give us a review. Uh, shoot us a rating because uh, it helps people find the show. And Let us know you care. We like hearing from listeners. It's fun. You can also find us on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And I think that is it. This That's is, everything. This has been Episode 72 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And derp. I got nothing this week. I'm sober, so you want witty banter? This is not the place. Let's go get a chimichanga. <laughs> That's how to celebrate America. Mexican food. Deep fried Mexican food. Excellent. Deep fried makes it American. <laughs> <laughs>